How are you today? Good to see all of you in the house of the Lord. Would you take your Bibles today or whatever you have the Word of God on and go to the book of 1 Samuel in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel, the 16th chapter. And as you're doing that, let me say hello to our campuses. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries. And I know that you've already experienced worship today. You've already had a great time, I'm sure. I'm believing that as we gather together to hear the Word of God, that God's going to speak to us here, but He's also going to speak to you there as you hear what I'm going to talk about today. The Word of God gives us so many insights and so many things uh, that are about heaven and about the future and all those things, but the Word of God also gives us insight in how to live this life day in and day out. And so over the next few weeks, I'm going to be talking to us about focus. Now, I, I know that may sound a little strange, uh, but I'm going to be using the life of David, who becomes King David, uh, and is probably one of my favorite characters in all of Scripture. And I'm going to be talking to us about how that the focus of his life, how that he was willing to focus his life, produce the great things in his life. And then we're also, great thing about the Bible is that the Word of God, <clears throat> excuse me, doesn't just tell us the good things, it also shows us the negative things. We're going to be talking in a couple of weeks about when he lost his focus, what happened to his life, and the consequences that took place. But today I want to begin in 1 Samuel, the 16th chapter. I'm going to begin, I'm going to read verse 1, and then we're going to drop down to verse 10 and read through verse 13. It says, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem, and I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Verse 10, Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There's still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. He, we will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. And Samuel then went to Ramah. Now when you read that passage of Scripture, it's interesting to me that the very first part of that, the first verse I read to you, said that God said to Samuel, focus. He said, I have rejected Saul. Quit weeping and crying about yesterday's spilt milk. Focus, I am going to send you to the house of Jesse, and you're going to anoint the next king. Now, our last series was on living maximized Christianity. We talked about how that, that God has given us His Spirit and all those things we've talked about, and this series kind of just comes hand in hand with that to help us to be able to focus to live that maximized life that God has called us to. So many of us want promotion in our life. We, we want to do better. We want to have better things. We want our spiritual walk with God to be greater than it was yesterday or last year or last month or whatever. But, but what I found is, is that it doesn't matter if it's in business or if it's in our marriages and our families or if it's in our walk with God. Before promotion in life can happen, there's got to be focus for the future. You, you, you've, got to, you've got to quit looking at the past. God said to Samuel, get over yesterday. Would you just look at your neighbor and say, get over it? Come on, you've been wanting to tell him that for years. Just go ahead and do it. Right? 
Just get over it. You say, well, what? I don't know, but I guarantee you there's something in their life they need to get over, right? And, and so what, what we see is, is that a lot of times we spend life looking in the rearview mirror. And I want to tell you, if you're always looking in the rearview mirror, you're going to run into something. How many of you know you should not text and drive? You know that? Here's why. And, and we're all guilty of it, so don't look so holy. But uh, here's why. They did, a, they did study and research this, and they said people who are texting out of every six seconds that they're texting, uh, they are spending 4.6 of those seconds looking at the phone instead of looking at the road. So you're only, in six seconds, you're only looking at the road 1.4 seconds. No wonder we run off the road. Because our focus, guess what, is not on the future. Our focus is in here. So there, there's got to be this understanding in our lives that focus is what we need. Listen, Jesus Christ came to give us life and that more abundantly, but we're never, ever going to experience that abundant life that Jesus Christ had for us if we don't get focused. See, here's, here's what I've determined through the years. The people who really achieve things in life, I don't care if it's uh, in their walk with God or, or people who really achieve great things in business or, or, or have a great family, it's not because they're that much smarter than everybody else. It's not because they, you know, had the lucky break. We'll probably talk about that before the series is over. It is because they have taken the time to focus. In fact, the Apostle Paul said it this way. The Apostle Paul said, this one thing I do. We've got too many believers who say these 23 things I piddle at. These 18 things I'm thinking about. Instead of like the Apostle Paul who says, this one thing I do. Now, as we look at the life of David, we're going to see some things. And today I want to give you four aspects that focus produced in the life of David that I think also is produced in us when we genuinely focus on what it is that we want to do. Every person under the sound of my voice that is over the age of, I don't know, 25 has at some point in your life said, I'm going to go on a diet first 25 years you eat everything in sight and your metabolism is so high it doesn't matter but somewhere in there boom it sets in and you say I'm going to diet the problem with dieting is is because we quit eating stuff we like and we start eating stuff in fact I've determined if you want to lose weight if it tastes good spit it out that's the key right but the problem is, is that we go into this, and then all of a sudden, because we do it a day, you know, I, I'm really good on a diet after I get up from the table <laughs> until the next meal, right? I, I, I read something recently that said, don't ever start a diet when you're looking at the dessert menu, <laughs> right? And, and, and so we, we say we're going to do it. Here, here's, the, here's what they tell us. The, the, what we need to do, and this is in any area of life, is not only do we need the stick, but we also need the carrot. We understand the deal? We, we, we don't just need to, this is what I'm not going to do, but this is also what I am going to do. And, and so as we look at the life of David, we'll, we'll kind of see that operating in his life as we talk about it. Now, let, let's talk about David. I'll just tell you the story. I won't read it. The Word of God says that David is the youngest of all the sons of Jesse. And, and because of that, let me ask this question. How many of you here and how many of you watching, how many of you are the youngest child in your family? I are one. All right? 
Uh, if you're the youngest child in the family, you're the kid who got to do everything that nobody else wanted to do. You got the hand-me-down clothes. You got the busted-up car after, you know, your older siblings had driven it and run it out. I mean, you, you got that. Well, David kind of gets the same stick. David, his dad shows up one day and says, hey, uh, we got some sheep. They're way out there somewhere. Uh, guess what? None of the other guys want to do it. We choose you. And David goes and he does, you know, he does his business and he's out there and he's taking care of the sheep. Then a little bit later, a few months later, maybe a few years later even, the Word of God says that his dad calls him in and says, Hey, David, your, your brothers have gone to battle. They've gone to war with Saul, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to take them some food, and I want you to go down there, and I want you to bring me a report back about what's taking place there. And the Bible says David goes, and he goes excited. He thinks that when he gets there, he's going to see the children of Israel in, in victory and in, in power and in might. And yet when he gets there, what he sees is a bunch of six-foot-tall babies sucking their thumbs because they're all afraid of a guy named Goliath, right? Uh, but but the, the thing that I see about David, it doesn't matter if David is called to, to go out and take care of sheep or if David is told by his dad, I, I want you to go and take care of your brothers and even later I want you to go to the king's palace and play the harp. Here's what we find about David is that David was enthusiastic about what he was asked to do. Number one, get this, don't miss it, focus produces enthusiasm. How many of you, I don't know if I would ask this, but I'm going to. How many of you remember when you were dating? You better raise your hand. You're going to be in serious trouble, all right? When you were dating. I got a friend who's my age uh, who right now, uh, for different reasons, he's, he's dating. And I saw him the other day, and I said, I would not be in your shoes for a million dollars. I said, I can't even imagine the process. I don't even think about the whole thing. And he's acting, you know, yeah, you get stupid. I mean, it's, it's crazy when you're 15 that you act crazy. But when you're 54, it's... Anyway, uh, uh, but, but, but the whole aspect of that, think about this, is that in that dating relationship, you put the focus on that dating relationship. I mean, you, you can't wait to see them again. You talk to them. You spend time with them. And then you get them. Right? And then you can't wait to get away from them. And it's like I go, the reason your marriage is falling apart is you're not focused on it. You get saved. You come in a relationship with Jesus Christ. You are so excited. You are pumped. I mean, if they're cleaning the windows, you're showing up at church. And you can't wait. I'm going to church. Bless God, I heard they were having a prayer meeting. Let's go to prayer meeting for a while. You're so, I mean, you, I can't wait what pastor's going to pray. I can't wait what the singer's going to sing for a while. And then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I guess we better go to church. We don't have anything else to do today. I guess we'll make church today. And then we show up. I don't know why we have to stand so long. I don't know why we have to sing that song so long. I don't know why he didn't just stick with one subject and get it to the point. And all of a sudden, what happens to us is we lose our focus and we find ourselves becoming critical of everything that we used to be excited about. It's not, listen, usually it's not that God has moved, we have moved. 
we've lost our focus. We've lost what we were, we were, had our attention on. Because when our attention is in the right place, we are enthusiastic. We are excited. Man, I can't wait for what God's going to do. It's the same way with your job. I mean, I, I, can't, I can't imagine how many people I talk to day in and day out. Man, I hate this job. But you wanted that job. You did everything in the world you could to get that job. And for the first few months, it was the most wonderful thing ever. And now you hate it? What if you showed up tomorrow saying, this is going to be the best day I've ever had? I am excited that I got a place to go and work tomorrow because there are people all through our country who don't have a place to go and work tomorrow, and they would be happy to change places with me. I think I'll be enthusiastic. I kind of sound like Zig Ziglar this morning. I don't mean to, but, but, but there's that whole aspect there of enthusiasm. And so th- that's what focus produces is it brings enthusiasm. The second thing that it brings, when you study the life of David, David goes out and David has two things with him. David, according to Scripture, has a sling and he has a harp. And, and I've said for years all he had was a good slingshot and a good guitar. He, he had two things and it promoted him uh, to become the leader of all the children of Israel because he had two things. Now watch this. I believe when he first went out there I don't think he was that good with a sling I, I, I think he kind of you know he, he'd sling it and it might hit over here and it might hit over there and it might but but day in and day out I mean you're out there with a bunch of sheep they all they're going to do is bellyache <laughs> right and so you got to find something to do and, and so I, I think he just gets him a pile of stones every day and puts some kind of a target out there and he's just swinging he's just going for it every time and and maybe the first little while he's getting one out of ten and he's getting two then he's getting three and all of a sudden he's he's hitting it more than he's missing it that that's what it takes in in his life then he gets his guitar he gets his heart and he starts playing have you ever heard somebody first starting out playing a musical instrument I mean you think the cat has died I mean, there's this just sounds coming out. And, but the good thing is David's out by himself. He's only got a bunch of sheep, and he just wears it out. But the more that he does it, the better he gets. See, our, our issue at times, a lot of times I see people's issue is that they look at somebody else who is achieving. Maybe they look at a great athlete who has achieved great things, and they said, well, they, you know, they just have that natural ability. No, no, no. There may be some inclination of that, but I want to tell you, for somebody to play, especially at the pro level in, in America, they don't just show up because they've got natural ability. They have to be willing to work. They have to be willing to show up to practice. They've got, here's the word, you ready for it? The second thing that focus does is that it produces discipline. Uh Uh-oh. Discipline. That word discipline just is another word for work. And I'm going to be greatly used to God. Well, you're going to have to work at it. You've got to discipline yourself. The scripture says it this way. It says that you've got to take up your cross how often? Daily. I'm disciplined myself. The apostle Paul said, I discipline my body, yet after I have preached to others, I myself become a castaway. He said, I am taking my body under control and I'm disciplining myself so that I can reach the cause of Jesus Christ. Now, this is kind of the stick today is that, you know what? I've got to, if I want to achieve something great, if I want to have a great family, I've got to have some discipline in that family. I mean, I, I see parents and I just wonder. I was in an airport a while back and, and there was this three or four year old kid that was just. <laughs> I 
I had about 18 words and I couldn't say any of them. I mean, just was tearing it up. All right? And, and his parents are going, I don't know what the kid's name was. Johnny, you know, you know Billy, Bobby, whatever. Oh, and, and then they would look around and, and everybody in there was in the gate was frustrated. And they'd go, we just don't know what to do. I did. I knew what to do. I'm going to slap mom and daddy. Thank you, Jesus. I would do it in the name of the Lord, I'm sure. But anyway, see, there's, there's this whole aspect of whether it's your family, whether it's in your business world, whether it's in the things of God. You know, the Bible talks about some things come only by prayer and, guess what, fasting, discipline in our lives, in our spiritual walk with God. But, but, but you know what? When I'm focused, I'm willing to be disciplined. I, I'm willing to do what I need to. But you know what? Here's what happens. The Word of God says that as David did these things, he disciplined himself. He became a skillful musician. He became a skillful uh, guy with a, with a rock and a, and a sling. The Word of God says there came a day that King Saul, after the kingdom had been taken away from him, that he becomes troubled by an evil, evil spirit. And the Word of God says that the, the servant said, let's find somebody who is skillful playing and let's have them come. And when the king gets in one of those moods, let's have this person play for the king. And the Bible says that another servant spoke up and said, I know just the guy. Now think about this. David has been on the backside of nowhere playing his harp, but somehow the word got out. And he said, I know just the guy said, let's bring in Jesse's son, David, and let's let him play for the king. And if you know the story, that's what happened. He, when Saul would get all messed up, David would come in and play and the spirit of God would come in the room and, and Saul would be in, in a better spirit. The second thing that happened is, is the story that I talked about there uh, a little bit earlier when David showed up with the sack lunch that day for his brothers. They're all afraid of this nine-foot Goliath that's out there, and understandably so. But the Word of God says that David, where everybody else saw a giant, and they said, man, he is so big, you know, what, what in the world? David said, he's so big I can't miss. That's what David said. And David goes to the king and says, put me, you know, put me in the ball game, coach. Let me play, right? And, and so David goes out and he takes, guess what he takes? He doesn't take the king's armor. He doesn't take a sword and a spear. He takes that thing that he has disciplined himself with, that he has gotten good with, and he comes out with a sling and he kills Goliath with the first stone. Now here's the third thing that, that focus brings into your life. Focus brings opportunity. You, you know what I know about pe people who you say, man, so-and-so, do you know them? Every, it's just like they're always in the right place. The reason they're always in the right place is because they're always working hard to get in the right place. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Man, they just always get the lucky breaks. No, they make the breaks. They show up early. They go home late. They get the project done on time. They're not willing to pitch in just because it's not in their department. I'm doing better preaching than you're doing amen in at this point. <laughs> See, there's, there's this whole aspect that we have to understand. The, the scripture, one of the Old Testament scripture talks about that the king of Assyria came to the king of Israel and said, 
I have 2,000 horses if you have riders. In other words, what he was saying is, I have opportunity if you are prepared. See, a lot of us are saying, well, if, if the opportunity to show up, I'll get prepared. No, some of us need, you, you remember back in the day, we don't need to wait for the horse to get here to learn how to ride. We need to find one of those stick horses. Come on, you remember? Start riding it around the house. Because when you have prepared yourself and you are focused on what it is that you are supposed to do, then the opportunity will show up. And when the opportunity shows up, you just walk right through it. See, I, I, I spent the first seven years of my ministry in full-time pastoring, actually longer than that, about 10 years of my full-time ministry that I never preached in another church except the church I was a part of. Nobody was calling me. Nobody was asking me to come. But you know what? I just kept going after it. I just kept believing God. I just kept believing that great things were going to happen. And then I began to see the fruit of that. You've got to be willing to get prepared on the backside of nowhere. When nobody knows your name, when nobody knows what you're doing, you're just still doing it. You're just still preparing. You're just still being disciplined. You're just still showing up enthusiastically saying, because you, here's the deal. Someday, the opportunity is coming. And when the opportunity comes, there's nobody that can keep you from stepping through the door if you prepare I'll, I'll give you the next one. The fourth thing that favor produces is, or excuse me, that focus produces is, is focus produces promotion. The Word of God says that David goes from the backside of nowhere to living in the king's palace. And in fact, he spends 40 years of his life living in the king's palace as the king. Why? Because he stayed focused. He stayed in the groove in what it was that God had called him to. In fact, you find that where David got in trouble was when he lost his focus. As long as he stayed focused, the, he continued to see the hand of God, the blessings of God in his life. You and I, listen, there's nobody that doesn't like promotion. Is there? I mean, come on, something's wrong with you if you don't. I don't want to be promoted. I want you to just keep me down, push me down, push me, keep me down. No, no, everybody likes, everybody likes to be recognized. Everybody likes to be promoted. Everybody likes to move up. And again, it doesn't matter if, if that's in your personal walk with God or if it's in your business or whatever. That, that, listen, and, and the way that I get there is by doing the work so that I am ready so when the horses show up, I'm ready to ride. And, and, and that's where David, David spent his life, the early part of his life is spent in preparation, focused on the future. The day that he shows up, watch this, he's on the backside of nowhere, Samuel shows up. Now Samuel is, is the guy, I mean he's the man of all Israel. He's the one that the Bible says that God never let a word that he spoke fall to the ground. So he is the man. And all of a sudden, David has a servant show up and says, your daddy wants you to get to the house. And he's thinking all kind of stuff. And he runs home and he shows up. And all of a sudden, he looks up and there's his dad, there's his older brothers. And then there is Samuel, the guy who is the man. And I'm sure David is going, what in the world is this about? And then Samuel says, you're the one. Come here. And he starts, he grabs this horn of oil and starts pouring it all over him. 
And I'm sure David is going, what is this all about? But this is all about, David, what you've been doing month after month after month when nobody saw you, nobody rewarded you, nobody was calling you and saying, boy, you're doing a great job. You just did what you were called to do. I want to tell you, in the kingdom of God, God is looking for those who are willing to just show up. You don't have to have a title. You don't have to have a position. You don't have to have everybody know who you are. But you just say, you know what? I believe God has a destiny for my life, and I am going to do what God's called me to do. You know what I find a lot of times? A lot of people are wanting promotion without the focus that brings it. I want somebody to promote me. No, you've got to have the focus You've got to stay focused in. And again, this will work in your marriage. If you would spend as much time keeping them as you spent getting them, focus. Focus on your children. Focus on your future. Focus on that which is ahead. Don't spend time focusing on that which is behind. Those of you who are in business, let me help you. you listen, maybe you didn't make the last sale. Maybe last month was a horrible month. Maybe, maybe things didn't go that way. But you can't keep looking back. You've got to focus on what it is that you believe you can do. And as you move forward, you'll begin to see the hand of God come alongside. Because I don't believe God's just involved in one area of my life. I believe God is involved in every area of my life so that's in my marriage it's in my family it's in my business it's in my church life it's in everything that I do I am totally wrapped up in God Almighty amen now let me give you three practical things as I bring this to a close today Here, here's here's what I would challenge you to do today number one get this and write it down I hope assume responsibility for your future And I'm, I'm, I'm going to get probably in trouble on these last three, so they're going to be brief. I am so tired of hearing people talk about somebody else keeping them down. The man's keeping me down. Well, quit focusing on the man and start focusing on being the man. I, I'm just saying it. I, I'm, I'm just bold enough and dumb enough to tell you what I think, all right? Just, just, well, I, I can't ever get ahead. This, oh, no, 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 wait a minute. It's your responsibility what your future is going to be. In fact, I'll say this, and you're, again, probably not going to enjoy this, but where you are in life right now is because of the decisions you have made in the past. And so I've got a responsibility. The Bible says greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. There's no weapon that's formed against you, the Scripture says, that is able to prosper. So I choose today to say, wait a minute, I am not going to let anybody dictate to me because of my race, because of my age, because of my gender, because of where I was born, where I live. I am not going to let anybody. I am responsible for my future, and I am going to see the glory of God visited upon my life and yes I get quite loud about that because I'm passionate about it so you got to focus and assume the responsibility for your future number two is you've got to devise a plan get a plan it's not going to happen by osmosis spirituality is wonderful but sometimes God gave you a brain and he said use it 
Spiritual people scare me sometimes. So what's going to happen? I don't know. I'm waiting on God. God says, go. God says, brush your teeth. I mean, you know, some, some things you don't have to ask. You just got to do it. Don't divide. Get a plan together. I, I, I challenge you. I challenge you. This week, take an hour and devise a plan for the rest of the year. Now, don't devise a plan for the next 20 years because you're not going to do it. Devise a plan for the next six or seven months of your life in, in a couple of areas. Don't, again, don't get 23 things you're going to do. Get, get a couple of things and maybe, maybe look at your relationship with God and look at either your marriage and your family or your business or whatever and devise a plan and say, this is, you know what's going to happen? By the end of the year, you're going to be in a better place than you imagined because you had a plan on how to get there. Some of you, let me, let me do this, I've got to hurry. Some of you need to devise a plan about your finances. Pastor, I've been faithful to the Lord. I've been a tither. I've been to, yeah, but you've got 28 credit cards. You sit unleveled. You understand what I mean? you got a wallet in your back pocket that's got so many credit cards, you can't even, your, your back's out of whack. <laughs> You're paying 21% interest on loan balances, and you wonder why you can't be blessed. God says, I can give you a million dollars a year, and you couldn't be blessed. Well, that kind of thing. Some of you need to go home today. Hear me. Here's your plan. You ready? Some of you need to go home today and have plastic surgery. Now, I'm not talking about finding a doctor. I'm talking about going home, getting a pair of scissors, and pulling some credit cards out and start whacking on them and get rid of them, devise a plan. I'm going to get out of debt. I'm going to, I'm going to move. It, it's not just going to happen. And I'm waiting for the lottery. I'm waiting for Ed McMahon. Ed McMahon is dead. <laughs> he is not showing up at your house. Six feet under, gone. Thirdly, you're enjoying it so much, aren't you? The third thing is work on it. A plan is no good unless you work on it. You, you, you've got to get involved in the process. If you're going to lose weight, you've got to work on it. If you're going to get in better shape, you've got to work on it. If, if your marriage is going to be better than it was last year, guess what? But I'm going to pray more. No, you need to spend some time with him or her more. Now, you probably need to pray more, too. I'm not against that. <laughs> I'm just going to pray God to change him. Well, won't you pray God to change you? <laughs> Whoa, I'm really meddling now, aren't I? <laughs> See, we, we've got to be willing to work. And, and, and I know sometimes when I preach sermon series, especially like this, people say, Pastor, that's not very spiritual. Do you realize how spiritual this is? Do you realize that if you would begin to bring just, if I didn't even preach the rest of this series, that if you would begin to apply these things into your life, do you know what could happen for you spiritually? Do you know what could happen for your family? Do you know what could happen for your business and your finances? If you would just take what I talked about today and say, you know what, I'm going to make this a part of my life. My challenge to you is, yeah, I, I, I get in your business and I push you a little bit, but my reason for doing that is I want you to live that maximized Christianity. I want you to live to everything that God has for you. And when we do, 
When we get there, then the scripture says that people around us are going to come to us and they're going to say, what is it that's in you? What is the hope that lies within you? And we're going to be able to tell them about Jesus Christ. And so that's what it's about. And that's what I believe God's called us to. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you bow your heads today?